Mark chapter 1, verse 32. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, and he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Let's say our scripture declaration. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, this is all for your glory. May you lay on Randy's heart the things that you want him to share with us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. And with that, let's go ahead and dismiss our kids and our teens to go on to the back. That's all right. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. And if you do have your Bibles open still, go ahead and leave those open to Mark chapter 1 because we'll come back and kind of refer to that in just a few moments. I just want to share with you, um, today is the start of a brand new teaching series, a brand new uh, time around God's Word, but I want to encourage you guys to be here over the next few weeks, and I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. Better, better Decisions and Fewer Regrets is the name and uh, the title and all of those things, but I'm going to tell you, um, some of the things that we're going to cover and some of the ground that we're going to cover is going to be something that might be a little bit more difficult than we normally would. And so I want to encourage you, just understand that probably the biggest changes come from times where it is a little uncomfortable and we're outside our comfort zone a bit, but yet at the same time, we're still paying attention to what God has to say for us. And the things that we are learning over the next few weeks could literally transform your life, uh, especially depending on some of the most, uh, some of the things that are upcoming. They could be very small in your eyes but could be some of the most important decisions that you make. So I do encourage you to come. We're going to talk a little bit about what each decision that you make uh, should be run through as far as a filter, and I think you'll learn a lot, and then use some of these techniques to kind of make sure you're on the right path. Now, I want to begin here, and I don't always do this, but uh, have an opportunity to do this. And by the way, if you came in late, um, we have a, uh, a couple of projectors that went out over the last couple of weeks, one of them a couple weeks ago, and then one of them this morning about 20 seconds before we were ready to go live. So if you notice that there's no wall, y'all pray for me, because I mean, how many times do you figure today I'm going to go, let's take a look at, uh, oh, no, oh, and I'm just going to be lost. So y'all be praying for me. Hopefully it'll be all right. Let's start here, something that some of you guys might be interested in. Okay, and don't everybody yell it out. I'm going to give you a one, two, three, and you guys can tell me, and y'all can impress me, and some of y'all can, you know, be on the other side of impressing me. Let's take a look at this first picture. Now, how many of you in here know who this is? All right, all right, a handful of you guys. Okay, on the count of three, we're going to say it together. This is one, two, three. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Okay. 
For those of you who do not know, he is probably, and this pains me to say, as a guy who has rooted against this guy for my entire life, I have not wanted him to win ever, but unfortunately he's won more than any other quarterback. He's probably the greatest quarterback, uh, and that, by the way, is the most important position in American football. I know some of you all are like, football, isn't that soccer? Hold on, no, no, stay with me. American football, he's probably the greatest quarterback that's ever played. But these days, he's not making news for what he's doing on the field. How many of you guys know that as well? How many of you guys have heard? Oh, some of you all are like, no, I'm lost. Okay, that's fine. Stay with me. All right, here we go. Tom Brady is married to this woman here. Her name is Giselle Bunchen. And I'm probably not saying that perfectly correct. And also, by the way, if y'all can throw in those little umlauts on top, that's the way it's supposed to be you know, printed. But no, I wasn't going to all that trouble. I ain't gonna lie. So Giselle Bunchen, she is a supermodel. So this guy's really got a rough life. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the poor man only makes millions of dollars. He's the most successful at the biggest sport, and he's also married to a a supermodel. So poor guy, right? Uh, Well, actually, yeah, poor guy. Because if you haven't heard, and I'm not here to spread the gossip and all that stuff, but if you haven't heard, this goes perfectly along with what we're going to be studying over the next couple of weeks. You see, a few years ago, it seems that husband and wife got together, had a little conversation, and they made a decision that he would play a certain number of years of football, and then he would walk away and retire. Is any of this sounding familiar to some of you? If not, you can just follow along. But what's going on here is is that Tom Brady made a decision that he would agree to that, but then over the last couple of years, he's not wanted to retire. And so he retired officially... And she seemed to be happy about that. And now he officially unretired and is playing again. And she has stayed away. And the news now is, is that these two are getting a divorce because of the decision for him to kind of go back on his word with his wife or whatever. Now, I'm not here to say good or bad. I'm not here to make any predictions. And how many of you guys know it's a whole lot more complicated than that? I mean, if, you, if you're married, you know it's a whole lot more complicated than that. It's a whole lot more than just one single decision. But it seems that this is the decision that kind of was the, the breaking point, if you guys will allow me to say that. And I, I, I just kind of joked a little early, and I did this actually on purpose. Oh, poor guy. Well, here's the truth. I do say poor guy because this next slide is the reality that they live with. Poor guy because he has a family that's no longer a family. Now, this is, uh, I think the one up on the farthest left, this young man here on the far left, that's his son from a previous relationship. And then these two that are here in the jersey and the little girl, that those are their kids together. So they will always have those children in common. They will always be a part of their lives, but how many of you know that it just got a whole lot more complicated for their life, right? Some of you guys know that by firsthand knowledge because it is complicated anytime that happens. And so from the outside looking in, we're like, oh, they've got it made, poor guy, oh, he got millions of dollars and his wife makes millions and ah, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, you know what? They're still normal people who have to live with the consequences of the decision that they make. And sometimes there's some unforeseen consequences to the decisions that you do make. 
And so I do feel bad for them, not because they're struggling in their bank account, not because they're struggling in the looks department, right? Poor, poor guys are not struggling in the looks department. But no, these are all the outward signs that we see that we assume that everything's just right. But the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes there's real heartbreak going on that we could never actually see or fully grasp or understand. And so they are having a decision that they made and then unmade, and now they're dealing with the fallout from the third decision that got made, and it's just a mess. Now, I don't know exactly what he would or wouldn't do if he could go back, but it's possible that he is dealing with some regrets right now, uh, deciding to go back and unretire. And it's very possible that he didn't necessarily make a great decision. I don't know. I'm not here to judge. But I will just say this. This is very, very important. And this is straight from Andy Stanley in the book that he wrote called uh, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. It's a, a, a quote that I put up right here on this next slide. Let's take a look at it. Let's be honest, you've never made a personal decision that didn't become somebody's business. I'm going to let that sit for just a second. I'm going to let that sit for just a second because most of the time we're like, no, 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 I'm making a decision for my life and it's my business. Let's be honest, you've never made a personal decision that didn't become somebody else's business. Private decisions almost always have public ramifications, right? How many of you guys know that, right? It affects other people. Whether you wanted to or not, it does. And every decision we make impacts somebody in our public, uh, beginning with the folks that are closest to us. This is a truth that we have to grasp and have to understand. So let's go to our next slide and let's talk a little bit about it. Don't miss this. There's no decision that you've ever made that affects only you. You never ha- It never has been that way and it never will be that way. Part of the things that I want to talk about with you guys today is making better decisions for you and for those who are closest to you because your decisions will affect other people. Even if you don't want them to, they will. Sometimes on small scales, sometimes on grand scales. If you guys agree with that, can y'all just say amen? Amen. All right, so let's go to our next slide. Yeah, y'all are, y'all are catching on. I ask for the amens. Y'all give me a big amen, and I'm like, okay, they got it. Let's keep moving. Y'all, if y'all aren't very good with that, y'all know it gets longer. All right, this is Andy Stanley. This is the author and pastor. We're going to actually hear him from the audiobook. I just played straight a, a video that I created with his words straight from the book so you guys can hear it. I don't know if that offends copyright. But Shelly will let me know later, Miss Librarian. That's right. Okay, so let's keep moving here. This is Andy Stanley, and this is the book that is uh, on this next slide. It's called Better Decisions and Fewer Regrets, over 847 ratings on Audible. And by the way, I've got zero credits. Uh, It's kind of embarrassing. That's what happens when you screenshot. You screenshot everything. But it's only four hours and nine minutes. And if you listen just a little faster, you can actually cover the ground even better. But it is really highly rated. It is an excellent book. And I will tell you about one of the bad ratings that they got. People in their ratings. How many of y'all ever get frustrated with the Amazon ratings? Like, y'all ever get frustrated when you read one of those Amazon ratings? You're like, I did not learn a single thing about the product. I learned that you can't had a package that got chewed up at Amazon somewhere, somewhere along this line. I don't care about that. I want to know, did the product work? This person said, this person sounded a little too preachy, so I didn't finish the book. It's like, he's a preacher. That's why he sounded too preachy. All right. I got to come to my defense of my guys, okay? All right. Well, 
Let's just talk about us for a minute, okay? Let's just talk about us. I have a feeling that as I talk about these things, I think I'm probably talking to some people who can identify with a lot of these things that I wrote down. How many of us here today wish our fathers or our mothers would have had a little bit more self-control in the area of substance abuse or control of their sex drive or their money management or their anger management? Their decisions have long-reaching implications, and even now, for some of us, their decisions have led to regrets that have stuck with us for years and maybe even decades. But we can't judge them, not 100%, because the other truth that we have to balance is how many of us here today did something that you wish you hadn't done before? Okay, now... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, and y'all can shake your heads yes, but don't say too much, okay? Because it's going to get worse. And you don't want to, like, start strong and then end with silence because that could, you know. How many of us here today have done something that you wish you hadn't done or gone, something, gone somewhere where you never thought you'd go or quit a job that you wish you hadn't quit or at least not at that time or maybe not in that exact way? Any of y'all... Am I hitting close to home on any of this stuff so far? How many of you bought something you wish you hadn't bought, and every month when you make a payment, it's like a reminder of the bad decision that you wish you could undo? How many of you have let a pattern begin in your own life that you know is destructive, but you said to yourself, I'll always be the master, and I will never actually be mastered, and then you found out you were wrong, and maybe even found out that you were very, very wrong? How many of you have said something that you wish you hadn't said or at least wish you hadn't said it quite in that same exact way? And how many of you have said to yourself, when I'm married or when I have kids or when I have my own household to run, I know I'm never going to be this way or never sound like that or never act like that towards other people. And you look around at your life and you realize you're living a life that you said you never would because of the choices that you make. And worse than that, you might still be making those very same choices today. Now, if any of you guys can identify with any of this stuff, can I get an amen? So here's what I want to do. I want to make an agreement with you guys. I've thought about this, and I'm going to be honest. There is two different ways that we can go in this teaching series. The one way is the way that actually makes something very powerful and meaningful and potentially life-changing. And then the other way is something that will make it interesting but forgettable. The problem here is, is that for us to go down path number A, we're going to have to say some things that might feel like I'm talking directly to one of you. And I promise you I'm not. I'm not talking to any one of you. I'm talking to all of you. And for some of you, you won't be able to identify with 90% of it, but that 10% is going to feel so personal that you're going to say, Randy said that because he knows that I fill in the blank. You guys understand what I'm saying? Can I tell you something? My dad looked me in the eye and he told me a long time ago, he said, son, if you're behind a pulpit, you can never say to one person, what you want to say to that one person, you can't tell the whole congregation. He said, if you're not man enough 
to be able to look that person in the eye, tell them directly, one-to-one, man-to-man, then you're not man enough to stand behind the pulpit. And I have lived by that all of my life. I sometimes fall on the other side and avoid conversation sometimes to make sure it never feels like manipulation. But here is the truth. We have to make an agreement if this is going to be something that's powerful. I think this can be life-changing, but it might be at times uncomfortable. So let's go ahead and look at this next slide here very quickly. Three, three things we'll agree on, okay? The first is, is that our decisions are the steering wheel for the direction and the destination of our lives. Raise your right hand. Can we agree on this? All right. I got an agreement. All right. For most of us. Some of you, I don't know if you're asleep or if you don't agree or if you're just a little embarrassed of what your right hand looks like this morning. I don't know what's going on, but here's the second thing. The second thing we're going to agree on is this lesson is universal truth, not for any one person specifically, even when we get specific. Can we agree on that? All right. Now, the third thing that we're going to agree on, you and I. You must do some work to overcome the way that you allow you to persuade you. How many of you know that you persuade you to do some of the worst things that you have ever done? Can I get it? (laughs) Right? Guess what? The bad news is, is for every bad decision that you made, you're still listening to the person who convinced you that was a good idea. If you don't agree with me, go into the bathroom, get to the sink, And don't even worry about the sink. Just look straight ahead and you'll go, oh, there you are. (laughs) It's just like that, right? Every single one of us. And this is really important. There's not a single one of us who cannot identify with the idea of making a bad decision that we knew probably down deep that we should not have made, but we convinced ourselves to make the decision anyway for whatever reason. And we're going to talk about some of that. And then as we look back, we go, what was I thinking? Or even worse, we lie to ourselves and tell us that it wasn't us, it was actually somebody else's fault, which puts us right back on the same treadmill to make the same mistake later. We'll talk more about that over the next couple of weeks. Let's keep going here. Very quickly, here's the big idea. A great life is built by consistently making good decisions. Now, if you notice that I said great life, good decisions. You might think to yourself, great life means great decisions. I'm here to tell you that a great life is made of consistently making good decisions. Because how many of you ever had that experience where you have a couple of decisions and one of them feels good and one of them feels maybe great, but you're not as sure about it? And so you think, oh, I got to make a great one. There's so much pressure. Or how many of you have ever been frozen on a decision because you think I've got to make the great decision here because I want a great life? The truth of the matter is, is that you put a couple or three really good decisions together, it's going to feel so close to great, you won't even be able to tell the difference, right? Can I tell you something? Most people who are financially in the place where they want to be, they didn't make a great decision like buying Apple way back in the day in the 70s, right? I mean, some of them did, but most of them did not. But they've made good decision after good decision after good decision, and suddenly they're in a great situation, This is a truth that we often miss. And sometimes we get ourselves so white-knuckled about this stuff. We don't have to make great decisions every single time to have a great life. What we need to do is stop the really bad ones and keep putting the good one after the next good one and put in another one right behind the last good one. Can I get an amen? Right, amen? Okay, so let's say this out loud together. 
A great life is built by consistently making good decisions. Okay, ready? One, two, three. A great life is built by consistently making good decisions. Okay. Now, you guys know I'm not going to ask you to read it that fast. Okay. Here's the reasons for my bad decisions and the reasons for your bad decisions that we all have just admitted that we have made. Let's go to our next slide. My reasons for my bad decisions, it was the people that I was with. I always make the bad decisions when I hang out with fill in the blank. What's funny is, is that you still hang out with fill in the blank, but you blame them for every bad decision you've ever made. Okay. All right. So the problems that I just never could have predicted, (laughs) who knew that financially I needed to put Christmas in the budget. (laughs) It comes once a year, right? Uh, Okay. The pressure that I was under, and I've been susceptible to this. I made a bad decision, said the wrong thing because it just felt like I was under way too much pressure. Then the pressure went away, and the only thing that was left was my bad decision that I spoke up and said. Or the plan that I had that just didn't work out. Can I just tell you something? If these are the reasons for your bad decisions, then you will never stop making bad decisions decisions. Because these things always exist. You will always be around people who want to pull you in the wrong direction. You will always deal with pressure. You will always see problems that you didn't know were coming. And you will always have a plan that didn't work out. But somehow, some way, people make better choices than these constantly bad decisions because they've gotten past this and moved on. Let's keep moving here. Let's go to our next slide. Shelly, I found your last boyfriend. I just wanted to let you know, you made a good decision. I mean, this ain't perfect, but I just want, all right. How many of you have, all right, to all of my people who sell used cars, I just want you to know you have an honorable profession. I will not tarnish your name with all of those who have the same profession and dress like that, okay? But how many of you have ever had this experience where you went to a used car lot and like they talked you, they talked you into, can I tell you something, by the way, <clears throat> if they ever ask you, how much can you afford monthly? You don't, you dare tell them how much you can afford monthly. Cause guess what? That's what you'll pay monthly period. How many of you have ever driven by a car that says $2,000 OBO, which stands for or best offer. Can I tell you something else? Whatever you do, don't offer $2,000. You know why? Because they've already told you they expect to get less. Am I right? Is this thing on? Hello? Right? You see what I'm saying? We have this conversation in our head, and sometimes the worst salesperson lines are stuff that we fall for because it comes through in our head in our own voice. Y'all know what I'm saying? Can you imagine you show up to the car lot and you're like, look, I cannot afford a Ferrari. I cannot afford a Ferrari. And he says, I know you really can't. You definitely can't, but you want it. Like you really want it, right? I'd be like, yes, stop insulting my intelligence. Of course I want it, but no, this is not happening. But take him out of the equation and put that voice in my own words. And I'm like, 
maybe I could afford it when I know I actually cannot. You hear what I'm saying? And, and I could go on and on and on down the long list of the things that we've done. You knew a long time ago that he was trouble and he stayed in your life for too long. You knew a long time ago that she was trouble, but she stayed in your life for way too long. You knew a long time ago that y'all needed to have a conversation about the direction of your kid's life. But it was hard, and so you didn't. Decision, 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 decision. It's the steering wheel of our life. I, you, you see what I'm saying? I told you it might get a little hard. I'm not trying to be poking at a, a wound but if we don't hurt, we probably won't change. And this is an opportunity for us to say, you know what? This is life-changing stuff. If I will man up, if I will big girl up, and I will have the conversation that I know I should have already had, if I would stop pandering to my child, if I would stop acting like that or saying it's acceptable for them to act like that, or if I would look my husband in the eye and say, you do that one more time and we have a serious discussion that needs to happen. Or do the same flip-flop. You do that one more time, wife, and we're going to have to have a serious discussion. One of the best things that ever happened to me in my life happened at an AMW on South Walker in Oklahoma City. Shelly and I dated together. We loved each other. We were excited about each other. We were juniors in high school together. Man, I was skinny, by the way. That was awesome. I had similar haircut. Truth be told, it's all coming back around. But I'm just saying we had a conversation because what had happened was we made a decision that we would split up during our senior year so she could date guys that were going to her school and I could date girls that were going to my school and we could enjoy our senior year and that was the plan. We came back together and realized that we probably needed to stay together. But she looked me in the eye and she told me something that day. And she said, I want you to know that we can be together, but you have to change the way that you treat and value me. Because I will not be treated that way and I will not be valued as less than I'm worth. That woman was 17 when she told me that. With God's help, I haven't always been as good as I should have been, but it changed the way that I looked at her, and she would not accept less, and so I stopped trying to get by with less. Changed our relationship forever. I will tell you that people will treat you about the way that you let them, no matter what. You can just take that one for free. Okay, so very quickly, I want to share with you a passage of scripture from Jesus' own words. As he shared with those who were around him, he said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And then skipping verse 35, going to 36. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, I love this passage of scripture for this message for this reason. If you notice here, Jesus, 
who is the freest man who ever walked the face of the earth, says, if I could set you free, you'll be free indeed. You will know it to your very bones. And they say to him, we're not, we're not having a problem with our freedom. We're good. We're Abraham's descendants. Now, if you know your biblical history, you know that they were saying that in the Roman world that was once called the promised land. We talked about Moses and all of that over the last few months. The promised land had now become Rome's place. They were paying tribute to the Roman emperor, the Caesar. They had coins in their pocket that had Caesar's inscription and his bearing his image. Why? Because they were not free. They were slaves to the people that were running their country. We've never been slaves of anybody's. How many of you know that they've got a problem with reality and understanding what reality looks like? It's right there in front of them. Jesus says, if I can set you free, you'll be free indeed. And then Jesus says, I'm going to tell you, it ain't even political with you guys. You are sin slaves. You are slaves to sin because if you get a little bit, sin will get its hooks in you and pull you down and it will not let go most of the time because we're holding just as tightly to the sin that we have in our lives as sin is holding to us. We need to be very careful that we don't fool ourselves and say, yeah, I've never been a slave at all. Yeah, we have all been slaves to sin at one time or another, I promise you. And if the Son will set you free, you can be free indeed, but you have to choose that. Let's go to our next slide. Don't miss this. All of us almost always want happy now over healthy later. If you don't believe me, go and stand in front of the dessert cart at the restaurant and tell yourself, I want healthy now. No, you don't. <laughs> right? We've all been there. This is not a good choice, but this seems like a good choice. You know, this is not a good choice, but God made cheesecake on the eighth day, and here it is. All right, let's keep moving. Is it too, too much? All right, so there's five types of questions that you can ask. The integrity question, does this violate my integrity? The legacy question, does this leave the legacy that I wanted to leave? The conscience question, does this violate my conscience in some way? The maturity question, am I making a mature decision or is this pretty childish and pretty in the here and now? Or the relationship question, this will or won't damage my relationships not only with God but also with others. These are questions that we're gonna talk about. Each one of them has their own and specific. And you might be thinking, Randy, I can't ask all those questions every time I got to make a decision. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of questions. You know what? You already ask all kinds of questions before you make every decision. You probably haven't thought about it, but look at this, look at this slide here. Let's go to our next one. What does it cost? What happens if I do? What happens if I don't? Is somebody going to find out? Is that going to make me happy? Will this hurt them? Will this hurt me? These are things that we ask ourselves every time we make a decision and we never even think twice about it. So can I give you one that actually might make a difference in making a good decision, a better decision with fewer regrets? It's not mine. It's what Andy Stanley has shared with us. Let's go to our next slide. Here it is. Five questions to ask yourself, and I'm going to give you all five 
please keep coming. I mean, I know you're like, well, I've got all five, so I can just take off the next four weeks. How many of you know that it's not knowing, it's doing, <laughs> right? Okay, so here's the question that Andy Stanley says to begin. This is the integrity question. Am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with myself, really? That really helps, doesn't it? It really helps. The really, really helps. Uh, because at the end of the day, you probably are like me. You want to look in the mirror and go, yeah, I, I, I'm being honest. <laughs> and then we get that shrug in our shoulders that that body language is telling me, nah, I'm probably not really being very honest with myself right now. And then you say, no, no, are you really being honest with yourself, Randy? And then the question comes to me and I'm like, no, not really. It also helps if you say it out loud. When you're thinking to yourself, this is what I'm going to do. And then you say it out loud and then you go, am I being honest that this is a good decision? Am I being honest, really? This helps a lot. There's different ones that we're going to cover and we won't take too long today, but these are the others. Let's go to our next slide. Two unseen, very huge factors. Have you all ever noticed how easy it is to make a good decision for somebody else? They know what you need to do, don't they? And you know what they need to do almost every single time. And then when they don't, you're like, what are they thinking? This is so obvious. And they have said the same thing about you. What are they thinking? This is so obvious. There's, this is a no-brainer, right? Yeah, that's right. It's a no-brainer. You've shut off the brain and you've started listening to the emotions Y'all know what I'm talking about? We've started listening to our emotions. Now, let's go to our next slide. This is something to learn. Human beings all struggle to overcome confirmation bias, the unconscious habit of noticing and internalizing information that proves us right and dismissing information that disagrees or disproves what we believe or what we want to believe. How many of you guys have ever heard of confirmation bias? Every one of us, right? Yeah, that's what other people do, right? <laughs> That's what we do. We would rather be right than have the truth oftentimes. And that's not healthy. That's a great formula for making bad decisions and having lots of regrets. Let's go to our next slide. Jeremiah chapter 17 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. So who can understand it? And then the Lord says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their hope for desired direction. No, no, according to their conduct. See, the problem for most of us is we hope that we will make a good choice and then we hope we'll be rewarded for good intentions and bad decisions, but that's not usually what happens. He says, I reward each person according to their conduct, according to what they're deeds deserve. We've got to be very careful that our deeds and our desire matches up. Let's keep moving. The second unseen factor is not just our emotions, but also our appetites. And I already kind of made a joke about the appetite that we have whenever we're standing over the dessert cart. But how many of you know, don't answer, don't raise your hand, don't say a word, but how many of you know there's an appetite in our lives that goes way beyond desire for something sweet at the end of a meal? I mean, we can all 
examine our lives and see that there are appetites at work. And it's not just simply our emotions, but it's also our appetites. I'm going to just be honest with you. I think it's very, very important for us to be very honest about the truth. And the truth is, is that we have to control our sexual appetites because our sexual appetites take us in a different direction than we ever desire to go. And I will tell you as well that unfortunately, you can satisfy this appetite easier in our modern world than you've ever been able to. But the consequences are always and still just as devastating as they ever were. You've got to be very careful that your appetite does not make you make a bad decision and then regret it for the rest of your life. I promise you it happens. It's happened in my family, not our immediate family, but in our extended family on numerous occasions. It's so important that we be aware. All right, let's keep moving here. And our second something to learn And this is where I told you we'd get back to Mark chapter one. I wanna just mention this very quickly. I know that we're running short on time. But Jesus on a few separate occasions made a conscious choice to turn away from the crowds and the kingship that they desired to push on him. Do you remember what was just said as Eric read a few moments ago? He said the crowds were pushing near him and that he woke up early in the morning and removed himself away from it and then went went away from the crowds and prayed. And as he prayed, he came back. And the Bible literally says people, the disciples and others said, where have you been? Everybody is looking for you. Now, how many of you know it feels pretty good if everybody's looking for you and wants to talk about you and how good you are and put the praise on you and all those different things? It can feel pretty good. The head swells just a little and the, yeah, well, I'm pretty big deal. You know, it's important, right? I'm an important person. What did Jesus say? He said, guys, we're going to pick up from here and we're going to go to another place because I'm supposed to preach not to be made into a king. So we're going to leave this place where everybody wants a piece of me and we're going to go to a place where nobody has seen or heard of me, but yet they have needs that I'm going to meet and I'm going to serve those people and I'm going to preach to those people and I'm going to share God with those people. Now, you may think, well, of course he did. That's Jesus. Man, don't fool yourself. Jesus was just as human and just as God as we realize. He's 100% of each. And I promise you, the 100% human side goes, oh, people are looking for me. People think I'm a big deal. He could have easily fallen into that. And this has happened on numerous occasions. There's a passage of scripture in John chapter six where Jesus feeds the 5,000. It says they wanted to come and make him a king by force. It takes an awful lot to turn away from somebody who says, I wanna make you the ruler of all of this. But he refused it, not just whenever he was tempted by Satan, but also when he was tempted by mankind to go down that path. He said, no, no. I'm going to follow the path that God has for me instead because that's why I came, not this other thing. So how do you apply this message? I I just want to keep moving, actually. Let's keep moving. I don't even really want to talk too much about how I apply this message. I just want to visit with you very quickly, and I'll do that at the end. So let's keep moving past this slide and then on to the next one after that. So not that one, but the Jim Rowan quote that I shared with you a couple of weeks ago. 
Why in the world? This sounds like a lot of work. This sounds like a lot of problems. It sounds like a lot of talking to yourself. It sounds like a lot of deep work that might be easier to just walk away from. I'm here to tell you, I can't quote it perfectly, but I'm really, really close. Jim Rowan is a person who is a uh, business philosopher, and he says, you must understand that there are two weights and two pains that all of us must consider. One is the pain of discipline, and one is the pain of regret. If you will not be disciplined, you will have regret. But here is the big difference. Discipline weighs ounces, and regret weighs tons. That's the quote. And I'm here to tell you that in your life, for you and for me, discipline and making a good decision weighs ounces. It's hard, but it gets easier and you get momentum and you move forward and your life begins to get traction in the right direction instead of constantly falling backwards, backwards, backwards. But if you choose not to go through the difficulty, you will deal with regret and it will weigh tons. And there's sometimes no opportunity to go back and change it. Let's go to our next slide. I talked about this last week, the good to great flywheel concept. And the idea was a huge flywheel with gears. And the idea was just a little bit of a turn and a little bit of a turn and a little bit of a turn each time putting a good decision behind another good decision behind another good decision. This is one of the greatest Um, business books that's ever been written. It's called Good to Great by Jim Collins. And the idea that he spoke about was great companies became great because they found what they are meant to do and put one decision after another decision and they were all small. One small, another small, another small, but every single one of them good. And then they looked around and suddenly there was momentum in their life for the good and not pulling them away in the wrong direction. It was a huge idea and a huge concept that will change your life and mine. You don't have to make a great decision. You just need to keep making a lot of good ones and stay as far as you possibly can away from those killers that will undo everything every time. I want you to listen to the end of the first chapter of Andy Stanley's book, And uh, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Get as much out of it as I did. Let's check it out. Let's go to our next slide. Throughout our lives, we will be forced to make decisions we don't really want to make. All of them will be made in some sort of emotional context. There are no emotionally neutral decision-making environments. And because of that, we will be prone to opt for happy now over healthy later pleasure over self-control and because our hearts are deceitful because of confirmation bias we will be prone to talk ourselves into things we will regret later but it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't have to continue to be that way there's a way out of that destructive cycle and although we've never met i bet there's something in you that wants out so take a baby step Start being brutally honest with yourself. Quit lying to yourself. Refuse to make up reasons that are actually justifications. And when you catch yourself selling yourself, just stop and say, there I go again. Pause and have a heart to heart with yourself by asking, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this really? Now to help you adopt our first question as part of your decision-making filter, I wanna encourage you to make a specific and pointed decision. I'll conclude each chapter with a similar decision, but this one, Honestly, this one may be the most important one and perhaps the most difficult one to keep. And the first decision, our integrity decision, is this. Will you decide 
I will not lie to myself, even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. I will not lie to myself, even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Pardon my presumption, but you may need to write that down and put it where you can see it every day, for a while, anyway. I suggest the mirror. There are worse things than feeling bad about yourself. For starters, clinging to something bad about yourself. Refusing to address what's bad about ourselves is bad for ourselves. Are you willing to be honest with yourself even if it makes you feel bad about yourself? You will never get to where you need to be until you acknowledge where you actually are to begin with. So be honest. Unfortunately, Jeremiah was correct. The heart is deceitful above all things and it is beyond cure. But now you know. And now you know what to do about it. And now you are better equipped to make better decisions and live with fewer regrets, which is a good thing. After all, your decisions determine the direction and the quality of your life, as well as the lives of those that you love. So, are you being honest with yourself? Are you being honest with yourself, really? Well, Heavenly Father, we are asking that you would help our hearts and our minds to be opened and ready to hear from you. Lord, you are good, and we desire for your love and the honor that we want to pay to you to be one of the North Stars in our life, that we would continually make the right decisions because, Lord, often we have been told that you are keeping us from a good life, and yet truthfully, a good life is found by walking the path that you have for us. Please draw us close to you. Help us to worship and glorify you with our lives and the path that we choose and the decisions that we make. And Heavenly Father, bless all of us who are here today. This is the beginning of a journey that goes in a direction that is maybe difficult at times, but incredibly, incredibly important for us all. So Lord, be glorified in your people and Lord, may you have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.